Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The quarter will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third prelude for Twin Cities by Night Dread. I am here with Adam. We are going to be creating, uh, well, he's already created the character. We kind of did it behind the scenes, but we're going to be going over his character that he's going to be playing, uh, Warren Johansson, who's uh, going to be a Tremere. We'll delve into that. We're going to be breaking it up into four sections where Adam will be talking about the moral life of his character. And then the second section will be how his character uh, came about being involved in kindred society and got embraced. Third section will be how he will be introduced into Dread. And then fourth, Adam will be going over his character sheet. So hello, Adam. How's it going? Greetings. It goes well. <laughs> Feels weird calling you, not calling you Mitchell. <laughs> you got to get out of Sabat mindset, you know? So uh, for those of you who don't know, he plays Mitchell in our Sabat game, War is on Fire. So, all right. Tell us about Warren, like when he was born, his childhood. We'll do like a back and forth, but a, a good scope of what his mortal life was like. Right. He was born in the Twin Cities region uh, around 1920. Both of his parents were immigrants from Scandinavia. Uh, they were also both alcoholics. His mom was a secret alcoholic. She would only drink when she couldn't get caught. Dad didn't care. And as a result of a somewhat unstable and unhappy home life due to these factors, he was uh, a very quiet kid. Very keen observer, paid very close attention to the world around him, partially as a survival tactic. He had to know what mood his parents were in and when it was safe to approach them for things like food and when it wasn't safe to approach them for, you know, things. So he got a very solid understanding of human behavior and how to pay attention to the tiny details when he was very, very young. Um, He was also asthmatic as a kid which kind of held him back. He wasn't a very big kid, and he wasn't exactly the most athletic. He was, I think I mentioned this, he was born in 1920, so when World War II hit, he should have been in the military, but his asthma kept him out. He ended up joining the police force in 1941, since they were a little shorthanded due to everyone going overseas. Um, He made detective very, very rapidly due to his ability to observe and piece things together. He was ghouled in 1945 during the Sabbat assault. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go over that. A couple things about his mortal life. I just want to delve into wasn't his father an officer too at the time, or what, what, what did his father do other than be an alcoholic asshole? <laughs> uh, his dad was also a cop, which is kind of how he got the idea to get into the force. Um, he was helping to keep some of the immigrant population stable. But it was a tough job and a miserable job at the time, so hence the alcoholism. 
Yeah, definitely. Now, did was what kind of cop was um, Warren? Was he like a detective or beat cop or homicide detective, or was there anything specific, or was he just kind of you just kind of jack of all trades type? Well, he started out as a beat cop, um, but a his asthma kind of kept him off of the chases, so to speak. And once they realized how quickly he could piece puzzles together, they bumped him up to detective to help him solve some of the crimes that were going on at the time that they were having trouble with. Nice. And was was Warren married at all during all this, or was he single the whole time? Um, he would have gotten married probably in the late 30s, right around when he was 18, 19-ish. Um, probably had one kid at the time before joining the police force. So this was a, it was a good, how well was his relationship like with his wife and everything at that point? Probably very stressful and tense. You know, he was on the job a lot and not nearly home as often as he should have been, but he made a good living and he provided a roof and food and warmth and some luxury. And I'm so sure she tolerated it without completely leaving him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure in his head, he probably thought he was doing a better job than his parents or his father. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was probably hard to understand what her issues were. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. I don't drink. I'm not, you know, I'm sitting here stable and I'm not like, yeah, I get that. Uh, definitely. Um, we, we, uh, we'll actually kind of cover into when you were embraced. We'll make that the second section. So you mentioned in 1941, we're, we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. So you were, uh, we, we, we discussed this on the side before, but you were, I'm picturing it like you were in, we said you were like in a morgue and you, for some reason you were there to look at a body or, 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 they're working a case or something to that extent. I'm not sure if the specifics would be that important, you know, but what, what you did notice when you went in there was something that kind of, kind of, well, obviously ended up having a huge impact in your life. It was the fact that you went in there and there was a figure who was over a body, uh, kind of like had, you know, had one, uh, uh, bodies pulled out like the, those drawers, the more drawers that they have, you know, mm-hmm. and she was, uh, um, and I'll describe what she looks like. She kind of had like like a brown sweater on and like kind of a grayish, what do they call those dresses? I kind of like, well, a dress, I guess that went down to her skirt that went down to the middle of her shin and like some ugly black loafers and kind of had a real homely look to her. She looked like, like when you saw her, you, you probably thought she was maybe in her mid twenties, you know, kind of had like long, straight brown hair and um had kind of like a paler olive skin and brown eyes, large, like, brown eyes, which to you, especially during this time in America's history, you know, with the immigration that was going on, you you probably recognized her as an Italian-American, you know what I mean? Like, just from 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 how she looked. Very kind of, like, gaunt cheekbones in a way, but beautiful in, in, in a weird, unique kind of alien way than you've seen uh, up until this point. Now, uh, we, we talked about before, and feel free to correct me, that at that moment when you walked in, you saw her doing, like, some... And, and, and the way that, like... And for those who are listening, and 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 we talked about this before, the way that I kind of try to treat Tremere, like the whole thaumaturgy thing, is not more like you know waving hands around hocus pocus, you know what I mean, magic missile kind of stuff. Which there's nothing wrong if people do run that. I'm not implying that, but I like to kind of try to keep it like the Clive Barker, even like a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft weird, like something just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like the angles are wrong in the room or whatever, like H.P. Lovecraft like to say, you know, or just you get a weird vibe when I'm around them. And you kind of felt that when you walked into that room, into that morgue and saw her looking over the body, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, and what she was doing, it, 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 whatever, was doing some to that extent. But we agreed at that point that when she saw you, she she felt like she had, because you were you, you started questioning her why she was there, right? Oh, of course. 
Yeah. And there was probably like an interaction between the two of them uh, where basically uh, announced to you at the time, she probably used dominate or some form of discipline to kind of get you to not think that her being in that room was ever, you know what I mean? Odd at the time. And eventually though led to this weird, because then you guys like at that point, she started talking to you. Right. And I would almost like imagine like maybe that night I could totally see the character, her character, like like maybe going for a walk with you or you know what i mean Sit, going to a bar and maybe having like a type of discussion with you for like you know what i mean that took up the whole night just to kind of get to know who your character is and and would, would you, i would almost say like that would be something refreshing to you because you didn't have that kind of communication with your wife at the time did you no more than likely at that point especially with the sabbat assault going on in the city he was probably working a ton of overtime sleeping at the office the marriage was definitely on the rocks. Yeah. Well, at this time too, like the Sabat assault happened like in 45, but there was definitely like what, what, what to call it? Like little probes that were going on. You know what I mean? For like two or three years, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. like, uh, you know, where it probably wouldn't have even obviously didn't put the people's kin, the kindred of the city at that time too much on edge, but there's probably weird things going on. You know what I mean? That had them maybe even had Cynthia at the time looking at a body in there so for those of you who don't know who he was talking to and who this kinder that he saw uh her name is cynthia her last name is cynthia palacino who at this time she wasn't but now in current modern day twin cities by night uh she's the tremere primogen and but at this, during this time she was just a normal lower circle you know a tremere apprentice and throughout the year, you know, to, before 1945, the two, three, four years, she ended up ghouling you and kind of like almost had like a romantic though relationship with you to where it was almost to you, you were falling in love, I would say, with this younger woman. Was she, well, what was your age around this time? Did we ever, because if it's 41, you're probably you're about her age then actually. You probably weren't too much older than her, I would say, right? Yeah, like what you mid-20s. thought. Yeah, mid-20s. Yeah, so mid-20s. He'd be 21 and 41. Yeah, he'd be 21. Yeah, so so in 41. So he basically probably thought he just met this woman who's like his soulmate, you know what I mean? And he started having an affair with her. But she never pressured you in a way to like leave your wife or anything to that extent. What, how would your character process all this when this was going on? Like, am I correct in the assertion that he was like falling in love with her, obviously, because he's getting bloodbound? Or how, how would you how, how would it be from his point of view? Well, if he's getting bloodbound, then yeah, he'll definitely treat it as if he's falling in love with her and falling out of love with his wife which would just cause more problems at home yeah and i would say like almost like you found during like during this time like you, you, you through the intimacy that you had with her because i don't want to say like i want like during this time period you and like it was reciprocated what you felt for her you know what i mean even though it was artificial you know in a way what you felt for her but she did have feelings for your character at the time and you slowly started piecing together she would tell you like she was from the boston area and she would tell you that she came from like you know from italy as a child and that she migrated to minnesota and you kind of always pieced together though when you were talking to her during all this that there was some kind of tragedy that happened to her in boston or something happened to her at a young age because there'd be moments where you were you know it was almost like being with someone who's bipolar i guess you know there'd be moments where like everything was great with her and she was madly in love with you and then in these moments where you just she was uh just just be at her lowest low and be depressed and you know what i mean and, and to that extent and it almost like in a way built like you became in this way like this um rock of stability for her and I, I would say almost like you felt that you know like you had this woman that you love who made you feel wonderful and great but you saw she was very damaged at the time you know what i mean like she had she she had these issues but it never 
never once during all this did you ever think to question like her odd hours or you know what i mean or any of that and that could be just because she used disciplines on you like dominate or you know what i mean or the blood bound but it, it was almost like a for a four-year block it was like i don't know like i'm sure when you met your wife or if anyone's like ever had like a very short-lived fling or when they first meet someone and you're just like madly in love with them and everything seems a blur you know what i mean that was like four years for you you know what i'm saying you're like on a four-year first date does that make sense yep uh so yeah so it was like um that four years was almost like i don't i have there's like a term on the tip of my tongue you know just like when i think of it i almost think of like the movies you see what was that movie with Nicolas cage where he uh, one of his earlier movies where he um uh, he meets a uh, wild at heart where he meets some woman and they just run off for a week you know what i mean and they just have a, like they, like just that passionate love that you guys had at that moment and it was definitely reciprocated and you started noticing like more and more like towards 1945 she was becoming um you got the sense of instead of you being her rock of stability, you got the sense it was being like the roles were being reversed, right? And that she was becoming more protective of you, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she started having you go to um like like this out of character, but where the chantry was at, which for those of you who don't remember that and Twin Cities by Night, it was like a kind of an older Victorian larger house that's outside the campus of University of St. Paul. And it's, it's, you know, it doesn't like, look, there's no gargoyles or any of that jazz. It looks like a nice older house. You know what I mean? And she would have you though, oftentimes go into this house where you always thought that it was odd, but you, you just kind of assume that she was, you know, she would tell you she was like a staff part of the staff at the college. You know what I mean? And that the other people who lived in there were either staff or students who, you know, wanted to save money on rent or whatever. And they were all just kind of, and you never thought much of it. You never saw anything odd in there, you know, but you just thought it was weird because for a long time you guys would meet at like hotel rooms or, you know what I mean? Like, like, cause you're having an affair, you know? And now she's like starting to bring her back to where she lives and you just were kind of taken aback by it you know uh do you got anything to add about any of this or how your character felt during all this before i continue no he'd probably question why suddenly she was taking him home effectively mm-hmm. instead of going to some neutral out of the way location where they could kind of remain hidden yeah definitely and and out of character it was because she was basically knew that this a sabat attack was happening you know what i mean it was like ramping up and it was it was getting bad and she like i said she did feel emotional she did like was in love with you and all that stuff so she felt the biggest way that she could bring protect you but yet not break the masquerade you know was to have you spend as much time in the evenings you know what i mean at the chantry with her you know and her and her jacked up way of thinking because she was i think afraid more that like they might know that she had ghouled you or you know what i mean or that the secret might you know what i'm saying might be out and it was just almost and in a way it was selfish of her too you were like her security blanket too you know so it was like she wanted you to be there in the evenings with her would you say that affected your work during this time at all or anything like that like the like this this i don't know, relationship with her during these years or probably he was probably a little distracted on days that he knew he was going to meet her okay gotcha definitely so we talked about this next scene coming up which uh we talked about this before but it's a scene that i've been like it was funny because i've been thinking like ever since like the I, I started the game i've like pictured this scene because of this npc cynthia but now i get to incorporate you into it which is really fucking rad you know out of character terms one night when you were there, this chantry was pretty much attacked by a pack. And it was actually a pack of Asimite anti-tribute. Now, for those of you who know, like there's never been an Asimite NPC that you guys are aware of or a character, you know, in the group. But 
the way that I like pictured the scene happening whenever like I was like writing up notes on Cynthia was the fact that these Asimites that came and raided, it wasn't like, you know, I got scimitars and I got swords and I'm throwing Sharukins and you know what I mean? And uh, like, you know, assassin kind of thing. But I picture it to be like, like a fucking massacre, man. Like something that you would see like in Last of the Mohicans or, you know what I mean? Just pure like um carnage that just like swept over this this chantry and i almost like picture it being like figures you know six seven whatever eight eight figures who kind of like kick down doors and like and and rush through the doors who may like maybe at the beginning of when they rush through these doors were dressed in the style of like the 40s 30 40s you know what i mean but as like this raid that went through this chantry like went on and it's just murder and massacre went on like they were just covered and drenched in blood and they, you know, didn't have to be Middle Eastern. They could be of whatever, you know what I mean? Race, but they just like, when they would like, were destroying these members of the Chantry, they, it wasn't like, like I said, quietus and like, you know, I mean, there may have been quietus involved. And there's actually a scene too that I was picturing now that I mentioned it, like when this attack first happened, when it came in there, you're like, you hear, you notice that like Cynthia is like, is, you're in a room with her and she reacts like she hears something and opens the door and you look out there, but you don't hear anything. And you see like in this like for, foray of the room, like these figures just like with like, I would almost say like tomahawks and hand axes, you know what I mean? Just like mowing down figures, like three or four figures. And they're just, you know what I mean? Covered in blood and just like ashes starting to fall on the ground. And this weird mixture of ash and blood and just like, Almost like that opening scene, like when we're doing the character creation session for Sabat, how I told, I don't know if you remember, but I was like, you get like the, the tile floor was so full of blood. You guys were like slipping on it while you're trying to like rush in. You know what I mean? That was almost happening, but these weren't like frenzy and kindred. These were like just stone cold killers. And uh, the, we talked about it before and we talked about a character where like there's this, where like Cynthia is frozen and you realize at this moment that like you need to get the fuck out of there because you guys are going to be next and you kind of drag her out like a side door or like a way out of the house or throw her through a window or something to that extent to save her life to where she actually ended up being the only survivor from that chantry. I'd like to go back and forth with this with you. Like what was like, how would your character have reacted to what he like this, this um, carnage that he saw happening in front of him, especially just like, I mean, obviously, this is something that is not normal. You know what I mean? Yeah, he probably would have frozen up for a split second while he processed everything that was going on in front of him, and then mm-hmm. he probably would have realized he had either he had two options: he either did something and maybe survived, or he continued to do nothing and definitely died. So he acted yeah. on impulse. Yeah, and it was, and you saved her life too at the same time. You know what I mean? I would almost like picture like you put her into a room where there's a window, and you like bust out the window, and you kind of like force her to leave, and she doesn't want to leave. You know what I mean? But you're like, you're just out of sheer will, and maybe that little infused kindred bite inside you that you have, or even to bump your strength up just a little bit. You know what I mean? And her being like almost in a catatonic state at that moment, you know, or forcing her out, and you kind of like run off with her and escape, and you're able to hide like in this. I could like picture this scene where you're like hiding this old hotel room the type that you guys were having an affair in you know what i mean and like she breaks down and kind of like explains to you without like going into full detail but kind of um and not like being like okay this is the moment where you're gonna learn about what kindred are you know like she's not friendly when telling you but you kind of are i would say almost like you used your abilities that you had as a cop and detective to kind of pry information out of her like what the fuck that was back there does that make sense you know like like what was that 
what did I fucking see? That's not normal. And you're kind of were able to tell why she's and, and get the information out of her that she's like, what's called a kindred. And that basically, you know what I mean? She's yep. immortal. She doesn't get super deep into like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, there's the Camarilla. And she's like, there's, there's families. And that was like, a, those were monsters out there. And, and like, and you could tell at this time too, though, that she was processing, like, She's in a, she was, she was in a total getting into a fugue state, you know, like, like she, she, she was in shock, like mental shock at the time when you were talking to her, you know, and then you started realizing like exactly at that moment that like that, what she was, you know what I mean? Like in a way, what would, how, how did that hit your character at that point? It probably would have put him into a little bit of shock as well going, wait, what the hell did I just get wrapped up in? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, because I mean, obviously, it's not normal. But your character, and correct me if I'm wrong, strikes me almost like the analytical, uh, analytical sort who can compartmentalize like different things. Maybe that's why he was good as a detective. You, am I wrong yeah. in that or no? Okay. Absolutely. After right. his childhood and how rough it was, not a lot in life scared him. He was, despite his, you know, asthma, despite his history, he was a very ballsy kid very ballsy guy because you realize he had next to nothing to lose more or less yeah definitely yeah definitely he he um yeah he had he had it was tough especially for immigrants you know what i mean for a lot of people yep. in, the, in the in the in the early 20th century you know what i mean um especially in the north you know uh, it wasn't easy so we and i think we agreed but we said that she he was about her ghoul for about 20 more years right 30 more years before he got embraced, right? I don't want to cover that, but I just want to make sure the time period before we delve um, into for that. about forty years. He got embraced in eighty five. Okay, so we'll talk about the we'll talk about the we'll actually take a break and then we'll talk about that forty years and the embrace and everything like that. So everyone, stay tuned, and when we come back, we'll talk about um, Warren being thrusted into kindred society. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just? media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by! We hope to see you there. All right, we're back, <laughs> and we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about from then on what happened for that forty years. So obviously, the Sabat raid ended. It wasn't successful for the Sabat. In a way, I would almost like picture, and, and I, you can always throw an idea out too. But I would almost picture for like rest of the rest of the attack, like you pretty much just hid her. Do you think that would do you think that would work story wise? Yeah. Yeah, he'd hide her and give her what information he could, because during the Sabat attack, I'm sure the police were very busy. Oh, yeah. He probably just kept her up to date on everything that was going on as far as police involvement was concerned. 
and there ended up being like a, at the end of the like when when there was the final pushback by the remnants of the Camarilla that like there was a fire that broke out like in the and there's really a district called this called like the uh the mill district like a, a huge fire broke out that like kind of was like the final where everything after that fire and after that fire was under control you started realizing like things were tapering down in the city you know and you're and and you and her were able to realize that 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 the sabbat attack was over and that they obviously were not successful but there was this weird like you noticed too during like this six months or i wouldn't even say it was six months i'd say it was probably like only a couple weeks few weeks that she wasn't like as and and you know you she wasn't as romantic towards you at the time now that doesn't mean like she was falling out of love with you because i mean you just saw like total butchery and obviously figured out this was not normal behavior, you know, but even after like the Sabbat raid was done, you kind of like felt like you were in love with her, obviously because the condition, but you didn't feel it was reciprocated and it, and it really started hurting you a little bit. You know what I mean? Does it, does it make sense? Like, like she wasn't like, this is where things started going bad for you two in a way, you know, because in a nutshell, and we talked about this on the side. She was dealing with like PTSD and survivor's guilt, you know, like a survivor's guilt, especially you see every one of your chantry, you just get murdered and destroyed and, and you survive. And a lot of people for, for those, of you who don't know, survivor's guilt is where like people deal with guilt that, 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 uh, that they survived a situation when people close to them didn't. And usually sometimes they blame themselves, but I would think in this situation, she would look at you and be like, why did you save me? Why didn't you let me die? You know what I mean? Like, it was almost like, uh, you're the reason why I'm alive and I'm miserable and I'm feeling like this, you know? And it was, and that, I would say not only would it hurt anyone who's just normally in love with someone, but especially someone who's bloodbound. you know what I mean? Like, that's just like a huge slap in the face, you know? Yep. Uh, how, how did you, is that how your character felt when this, when things started straying apart like that? He probably got very resentful of it as well not understanding yeah. the full context or cause of her behavior mm. would probably have started to drift away but not want to because there was still yeah. that blood tie there oh yeah and then you had your own family to deal with during this 40 years you know what i mean right yes. i mean like what what happened we, we didn't even talk about that like what happened with your wife and your kid because obviously you're not aging right as much as you you know what i mean would before we go any further into the kindred side of things what happened to you and your wife and your child during the 40 years Honestly, he probably would have divorced her around the late 40s, maybe 48, 49-ish. Hmm. And just kind of like let her go her own way. I could almost even yeah. see her moving out of town maybe, you know what I mean? Like just taking her kid and just being like, I'm, I don't even want to be in the city anymore, you know? Maybe move to some small rural Minnesota, you know what I mean, town or who knows, right. you know what I mean? That maybe sense. you, maybe, and I would say, would you agree that maybe he would even have like kind of pressured her to move out of town, you know what I mean? Like, don't be here anymore because of, like, the things you saw or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, the things that you knew you were involved in or, or would that just be stretching it? No, I can see that definitely being a thing. You know, he yeah. wants her to, maybe not so much her because she doesn't have his heart anymore, but maybe he wants his son or his child to uh, have a safer environment than what, you know, he was aware of being in uh, the Twin Cities at the time. Yeah, and so we'd say this is the late 50s, so your son was probably like in his, not even 10 or in his teens, you know what I mean? So that's, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting concept there. So during this time, during these 40 years up until, what what did we say, 1980 what, 85? Uh, 1985. Yeah, I'm going to delve a little bit into what was going on with the clan 
Tremere within the city. So the Chantry, uh, eventually, Cynthia had no choice but to become regent of the Twin Cities. Uh, we talked about this uh, for those of you who who watched watched the video with Joaquin where he's going. Over, we went over like a recap with Katow. But like one of the reason why the Twin Cities, the people, the kindred in the Twin Cities, like to live in the Twin Cities, is because no one really gives a shit about the Twin Cities. Not, but the, but that's often misguided because it's like like five of the top 100 fortune 500 companies are, are within the twin cities, but it's not like a New York and LA or Chicago. You know what I mean? It's not uh, really heavy uh, into kindred outside of city kindred politics. So usually if nothing horrible fucking happens, well, there's a tiny sabot raid, but like if you keep your nose down and things are quiet, you don't really have to deal with outside influence. Uh, that's just the type of story I prefer to tell. It's an easy cop out for me to do it. But Cynthia was made regent of the Chantry and you kind of noticed at this point when this happened, obviously she was the only Tremere at the time in the city because we said you stopped becoming a cop after a while. Like, what year did you stop becoming a cop? Uh, probably, I'd have to say probably around 1955, maybe at the latest. And maybe that's why you wanted the divorce and you're like, just get out of town because you knew you weren't going to be a cop anymore, right? You know what I mean? And you're pretty much like we're starting to become uh, a, 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 like a, a, a dentured servant to cynthia you know what i mean she because it was like her and you were the one who was doing a lot of the investigation a lot of the uh, like security posturing in a way but without like i'm not talking about just of the chantry but you were helping her put pieces back together but you're also noticing at this time too that like a little bit that cynthia was starting to become a little reclusive in the chantry you know what i mean like she would not, she wouldn't want to leave that much. She would then it became where she would never leave or where she did. It was like this big ordeal and she would like be worrying and stressing out. And you had to like, obviously chauffeur her and make sure, you know what I mean? Plan ahead a route and make sure that there was no one there. And you maybe even had like, cause didn't we say you opened up like a little security company or, or, or no, or you just straight working for her at that point at that. You would have had uh, probably in the early fifties. We'll say he quit being a cop around 1951. Okay. And then he probably would have opened up a uh, private eye agency, gone into business as a uh, private investigator around the same time he quit the police force. Right. As a way of was- both having a front and a uh, side source of income. Definitely. So, you, yeah, you like, so, yeah, I like that. So you were basically kind of like noticed that you were like, there was no more romantic relationship, you know what I mean? And you're basically just there to whenever she wanted to leave the house or something to that extent. And then in the early 70s, 72, 73, you noticed that uh, you're kind of caught off guard one time when you're um, going to the Chantry at one point. And you don't know this is a Chantry, by the way. You don't know any of the Tremere terminology. You know what I mean? You don't even know that, like, she is a, um, you know, quote unquote warlock or thaumaturgy or, you know what I mean? You know, she's definitely not human. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. she's like a creature of some sort, almost like a monster, but you're madly in love. Like it would almost be like she was like a goddess in a way, I would say almost. Who fucking knows? You, but you notice that you never saw any other kindred that you are aware of until, and you never saw anyone in this chantry other than her, you know? And I can just imagine like how weird that would be to someone like you go, you're in this romantic relationship, you find out she's like this creature, and then, for like the next fucking uh, 20 years, you know, until 71, 72, it's like all you see of this lady is like you going into this older house and you see her and she's just like this fucking mental illness ball. You know what I mean? And like, it's like, it's she's kind of like uh, just a crazy cat lady in her own Tremere-ish way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and eventually um, you go in there one day and you see that there's someone else in there with her. This is like 1971, 72. 
I'd say at this point, you're starting to become comfortable with the fact that you were not quite like everyone else anymore. And before I continue on to that, that's a good question. How did you react, your character react to the fact that he like, wait, it's been 20 years. And I haven't aged that much. You know what I mean? And I, another good question too, and we haven't delved into this. How did the kindred vitae being introduced into him? Like what, what, you know, negative aspects of his personality did it bring out? It probably triggered some latent propensity for addiction not necessarily alcoholism like his parents but he probably became a little too obsessed with getting his next hit of uh vitae oh like like stuff like how would he like 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 what did was it like you know like was it like he became more pathetic towards her or did he like start feeling more sinister and start like i I mean like how what like how was the beast brought out in him do you do you get what i mean Probably became a little more willing to break the rules in order to please her, ah, uh, in the like, hopes like, of earning another hit. So like, okay, so he's like a junkie, and basically his his um social social behavior kind of changed and adjusted to that. Like, like we see or hear stories about all the time about drug addicts doing things, stealing from family, harming others, or whatever. As long as he gets in that next hit, you know. Yes, exactly. He'd be happy to, you know. Maybe make a person disappear if she asked him. Burn uh, a house down. Maybe he did. Body. Maybe he did a couple times for her. You know what I mean? She's sitting that there makes, like... Yep, that makes ahead. a lot of sense given his relatively low humanity. Yeah, then we could say that then. I like that. We could say that like with her trying to build the influence of the Tremere up again. You know what I mean? And do things that you had to do some things. And that you did them with pleasure knowing that you're going to get rewarded at the end. You know what I mean? I like that. We don't have to get into specifics. Maybe it's something we can expand upon in the game. You know what I mean? You have a couple ideas or you know what I'm saying and interactions or something to that extent. But yeah, I like that. And maybe it was part of, maybe it could even deal with like her mental illness. Like, you know, like I could totally see something like where she needs to go to whatever to talk to another kindred. You don't know it. And yet she wants you to plan a route and and you, and she makes you like check the route five times, five step or, uh, you know, five separate days in a row. And then she's willing to go and you say, Oh, I see this, you know, homeless guy or whatever. Who's always like drinking, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, um, he's not a danger. And she's like, no, I don't like that. He needs to be taken care of. And you're totally willing to like, you know what I mean? Kill him. To, to, to satisfy her paranoia. You know what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. So a lot of times it won't even be for legitimate reasons. It's just to feed her paranoia. Does that make sense, you know? And you're like, okay, I'll do it if I have to, you know? So yeah, 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 yeah. Just to show how desperate, like, like, and maybe, I mean, you don't know and you don't care. You know, you're like, she tells me to do it. I get my reward. That's what I got to do, you know? So uh, I like that. But anyways, to go back to where we were, sorry, I got sidetracked there, but I always I always like to treat ghouls like that. You know, like there's always something fucked up about a ghoul. You know what I mean? They're never going to be the same. So in 71, 72, you go into the Chantry and you see that she's actually sitting in the foray, which like, and I explained this a little bit and and like, the, I think it was the third session, Twin Cities by Night, but it's this walking area that's kind of a circle and it had like, a, you know, has like tile on there and there's like a couple of couches along the end. Actually to the left, I think was there was like a library, but you never saw her like on the first floor. You'd always have to go to the second floor to like where she would like meet you on the steps. You know what I mean? She was that like into her psychosis or whatever. And you see her sitting there with a figure who was wearing like like a, a long sleeve like kind of velvet like black shirt and had like um brown corduroy pants on had like really long brown hair 
looked to be like maybe he, he'd be a Spaniard or, or, or Mexican of some sort, had uh, glasses on and had like a, a very thick like goatee, you know what I mean, that went over his lips, like kind of like the cholo, you know what I mean, type. You realize out of game, just to sum it up, that it's a Tremere from out of the city. His name it was William Whitmore. And you kind of realize, you, you know Cynthia at this point. You know her body language. You know how she reacts. You know what I'm saying? And you could tell she does not feel comfortable that this William Whitmore guy was there. You know what I mean? You could tell, you could see like the, you could see her being normal and, and the way she's talking to him, which you haven't seen her be that personable in a while. And you could tell like, it's, this is like, uh, they're just being polite and talking to each other, but you can tell she's not comfortable with this guy being there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And eventually when he leaves and he talks to her, she try to explain to you someone from her family who has now moved and relocated in the twin cities and he relocated from the San Francisco area. And you realize at that point that like, she kind of, she kind of implies that like, it's, it's someone who was told that, Hey, you're relocating there, you know? And she doesn't like it. Cause you could tell now that like, it's almost like uh, now there's another set of eyes and she doesn't like, she, you could tell she almost liked to be the only for, for a quick minute. She liked being the only Tremere, you know what I mean? In the city. And now she has someone from out of town who, and you can tell there's not quite that trust there. Does that make sense? You know? And so, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that, uh, was definitely a moment in your guys' relationship where you saw that now you felt like you're even becoming more of a tool of hers. And, uh, but you also talked to this guy, this, this William Whitmore, and you kind of realized that he was, and I'm not going to get in character with it or anything, but like out of character, he was very into like the, uh, Alistair Crowley sex magic. He never like did magic, but you know what I mean? He's very, um, I don't want to say hippie, but very out there. Talked a lot more weird shit than your, than your sire did, but you knew it was just shit that people talked about in the sixties and the seventies. You know what I mean? It was nothing that stuck out to you, but you could tell he was definitely not the same personality as her. You know what I mean? He was a totally different personality, totally different thing, but supposedly they're part of the same family. And while he didn't quite make his haven, he stayed sometimes at that chantry. You, you notice a lot of times, like, you'd see maybe only, like, once a month or once, you know what I mean? Once every six months or something to that extent, you know? That, yeah. uh, that But uh, you knew their quote. And you and, and you kind of picked up that he for the mo- he is the same as her, you know? Which was kind of interesting to you because you never met anyone like her. For almost a while, you'd almost forget. Like, you'd hear her talk about others like her, but you would, like, it didn't seem like a real thing, you know, because she was so secluded and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we got, uh, we jump into... I think this would be a good point to talk about when you started attracting the attention of another kindred, unless you got anything to add or anything from your character's perspective on what we've just talked about there. Um, nope, he does not. With encountering uh, William Whitman or Whitman, Whitmore, 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 yeah. Uh, When he encounters Whitmore, he probably would have started to get very curious about other kindred out there. And with the sheer amount of paranoia going on at the time, he would probably have tried to downplay uh, what he was really up to in his life. So he would avoid having, you know, patterns of movement. You know, he would pay attention basically to his private eye experience and training. He would break up patterns. He would go places he'd never been before just to go there and throw people who were following him off. He would establish fake patterns for a day or two and then completely abandon it, behave very erratically, just in the hopes to avoid any sort of tales, any confrontation with anyone he didn't want to encounter, that sort of thing. And probably I would almost, kept it 
very, very secret whenever he went to see um, his regnant. Yeah, and I would almost thought, I would don't, I mean, it would be kind of cool too to say like almost a little bit of her paranoia like transferred through the vitae to you. You know what I mean? Like, like it almost like even added, you know what I'm saying? Like to your like paranoia you started feeling, but who knows? Or it could have just been the situation then what, what everything that you're witnessing and to that extent. So that's awesome. So, um, there, there came a time, like I would say probably like in the 83, 84 where like, I don't know, it just became normal to you, you know, like your paranoia, you know what I mean? Everything, all this was just your life. Cause frankly, I mean, you had been a ghoul for longer than you before you were a ghoul at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like 40 years, that was twice your lifetime uh, than you were. By the way, we never had you describe what your character looked like, but we can do that uh, once um, once we're all done here and we'll do the character sheet. Around 84, well, let me ask you this. Was, was your character a drinker at this point? Like, did he drink alcohol or anything to that extent or did he avoid it or what? Uh, he probably drank a fair bit right up until he was ghouled. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing where he would become an alcoholic. He would always sort of force himself to stop before he crossed that bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just out of right. remembering his parents. But once he yeah. got his first taste of the Vitae, alcohol completely lost its appeal. Well, yeah, right? <laughs> it's like alcohol times a thousand, but yeah, definitely. Um, he, would, he would drink socially just to fit in to like build contact yeah to fit in and build contacts i'm sure with cops maybe right for his yeah. for his private his agency detective so yep. out of character what ended up happening we could talk like this something that we could bounce back and forth but uh and, and for those of you listening this is because of a flaw that we'll go over that he has but basically you would your your uh, character attracted the attention of another kindred in the city um you didn't know he was a kindred he didn't know that you were a ghoul of Cynthia's because um, Cynthia being paranoid and not, you know what I mean? Where some kindred, obviously, you know that that's a kindred school or whatever, not all, but some, but some keep it secretive because they don't want the, uh, a weakness to be known, you know? Yep. You didn't know he was a kindred at the time, but I'm going to say it right now, he was the Nosferatu whip. Uh, his name was Harald Foster. Uh, for those of you who know, you're going to hear that name later on in Andrew's character creation session. But the figure, what, what the, the, this person you got to know, and uh, we could, we can figure out how you got to know, but he basically kind of had like curly black hair, you know, uh, had like really crisp blue eyes, had kind of like, uh, I don't want to say Slavic because it's a player in ours, but uh, like Eastern European, you know what I mean? The, the, is, that Slav- is that Slavic, the term I'm thinking of? Yeah, uh, technically it is Slavic. Yeah, 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 it is Slavic. I feel <laughs> weird saying it, but it's Slavic features. Sorry, Slavic, the player, I apologize. Slavic features a little bit, uh, but he has crisp blue eyes, but uh, definitely looked of being like of a like a Russian Slavic ethnicity at one point, or, you know, had ancestry, you know what I mean, in his blood uh, of that. You can help me figure this out, but somehow a relationship was sparked between you two, and uh, I think it was more, I could picture it more because of this character's background of the fact that you guys were kind of like, and I don't want to use the term like macho man or anything, but you had similar experiences with with his mortal life and yours where you kind of dealt more with like investigate. I don't want to say investigative, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, cop, firefighter, first responder kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's a good chance that I ran into him at a cop bar when I was out making contacts and having drinks. That's what I was thinking. That's why I asked about the drinking. All right, cool. Caught his attention there. And then he decided I would be an asset. Oh yeah, definitely. He basically, 
in out of character terms, you know, you meet him, you build this relationship. He thinks he takes steps to start bloodbounding you, like like putting Vitae in a drink or you know what I mean, being sneaky about it. And after a while, he's thinking that there's you know he never used you openly. Maybe he like asked you to do some favors for him for money. You know he'd pay you and you just whatever did them because they were never like anything drastic. You know he didn't expose you to the masquerade. But out of character, he wanted to embrace you into the Nosferatu clan because you kind of had a not like a reputation like where like everyone in the city knew who you were, but you had a reputation with cops of being someone who was like paid good money for you know what I mean detective stuff and you know what I mean and you kind of had like a good reputation in that effect. And um, when he went to the prince to get permission to embrace with Cynthia being a, a primogen at the time, only her and Whitmore were the only two Tremere in the city. She caught wind of it. You know what I'm saying? At this point, and there's something I kind of left out. We'll talk about we'll talk about this too. But at this point, she felt like she had no choice but to embrace you. Now you were able, and we we totally bypassed this. And I forgot about the, what you were able to figure out about her. You know, you were able to tell, and this is kind of the big point. You were able to tell that she was making active moves against someone in the representatives in a city. You know what I mean? And you're, you don't know, you didn't see who they were. You didn't, um, like you, you, that, like, you had like a eureka moment. Like you said, you inadvertently found this out. Right. You know what I mean? But you didn't like, you never once like told her you knew, right. That's what we agreed yeah. upon. Right. Yep. But you're, you're able to figure out that like, she was taking like active steps, uh, against someone in the city whose name was Rita Giovanni and the people who like represented her in the city, you know what I mean? And you kind of like picked out with like this guy named Roman Dunstern. So like a Roman Dunstern and a couple guys named Putinesca, like there's some brothers and a, a, a guy named uh, Jacob Milliner. And so you're able to like, but you never like, I think I would say almost like she probably found like figured out you knew by like the questions you were asking when you had, when she tasked you with stuff. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? And yeah, I think she kind of, and her paranoia, exactly, exactly. So, like, you kind of like we're kind of like piecing like something about these names, people tied to them, something, something's going on. And her paranoia and the way that she kind of figured out you might be piecing together just was like she started having like where she wanted to kill you. But what prevented her from like outright just killing you, I would say at first was the fact that there was someone else in the city now, another Tremere. You know what I mean? who knew about your existence, you know what I'm saying? And if her ghoul just ended up dying or disappearing, it, you know what I mean? She was afraid to probably set off red alarms to this Tremere who's from out of the city, who she and her paranoia legitimately might, he might legitimately or not, but she thinks it's probably there to spy on him, spy on her, you know what I mean? Make sure she's not, you know what I'm saying? Doing stupid shit. So she was going to kill you, but then now that you're like, have drawn the attention of this Nosferatu who wants to bring you over, now she's like, fuck, now I definitely can't kill you because if this guy who's going to get embraced by Nosferatu just dies and, and it could be tied to her, then she's just going to be exposed more. So she really had no choice at that time to like intervene and be like, get boons or, or you know what I'm saying? Whatever, pull strings to be like, no, I need to embrace him. He's my ghoul. This is, you know what I'm saying? I, I need mm -hmm. to make him my child. Would you agree with that? Yeah. All right, so we'll cut to the next break, and then when we be back, we'll go over the embrace. High-level games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week, 
and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games. With more rolling out all the time, we are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. <laughs> All right, so um, we were saying how after that happened that she was forced to embrace you in. And, and I picture like the scene when you were embraced where basically we, <clears throat> you were kind of like brought into the chantry. You don't know where you were at. You kind of like maybe you're passed out. Maybe you're dominant. Who knows? But you wake up. And you see, I, I think it is real eerie feeling because I like I read like the revised clan book Tremere and uh, about like the brace and all that. And I'm almost thinking like the way to like, I, I don't know, like add my uh, my own twist to it or whatnot. I can picture this scene where you're like laying on this table and you're wearing like this white robe and you see like two figures standing over you. And they're the figures of of your sire, Cynthia, and a, and a William Whitmore, but they're wearing like these white robes and like they um like like he doesn't have his glasses on, but I can almost like picture him like it being like almost like a um like uh I don't want to say Nordic, but I guess it would be like Nordic in a way like like their faces are just like crimson with like blood that they've painted on their faces. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like coagulated and dried on like uh William's like thick goatee that he has, you know? And but it's like almost like uh alien. Like you you like you're looking up at this and you see these figures and it's almost like the blood has like dripped on the front of like these like pristine white robes that they have. And that you hear like him and her chanting, you have no idea what the fuck this they're saying during it. You know what I mean? And, um, she like comes and drains you, brings you over. But during like when you're brought over, you're like still laying on this table and like, uh, they feed you from like a bowl, like this blood, almost like a communion. And I don't know. I just think I, when I when I think of it, I think of it like just being like very, um, like I said, pagan. That's the word I'm thinking of. You know what I mean? Pagan in a way. You know, like like. And so I don't know if you'd have anything to add to that or to that extent, but very like eerie. Not like hocus pocus. Say the Tremere oath. You know what I mean? It was this very like cantations that you didn't know. You had this like 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 your the the reality of it all. Like was almost like a like you were on shrooms when it was happening. You know what I mean? Like it was very foundationally shaken obviously being brought over it's very surreal surreal that's the word i'm thinking of very surreal situation and basically we kind of talked about this i'm just going to cover it what we what happened after that is like so the resentment that like your sire had before was just like magnified like a hundredfold towards you now because she had to like uh, uh you know i love you warren and everything but she had to like waste her you know what i mean her chance to embrace someone her uh on you and i kind of i've kind of mentioned before in the twin cities that like uh embraces and just something that's just like handed out willy-nilly you know what i mean and it's like uh they're they're really the 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 twin cities kindred population i.e the primogen prince essential whatever the leadership are really trying to like rebuild the community you know what i mean so they're really trying to like be selective with who they bring over and um for her to feel like she's forced to make a choice against her will uh, uh that really upset her so Part of what she did, and um, was like a twofold approach. One, she told William uh, Whitmore that you uh, were going to be like the chantry security. You know what I mean? Um, 
specialist, right? Which gave you a reason to like pretty much uh, almost in a way I'd say almost have a similar existence to hers being within the chantry a lot. You know what I mean? Before I continue on, would you say that would, would he have given up his detective agency and all that shit at that point? Knowing yeah. that like, okay. That's so at that he, point, he probably would have figured a, he needs to figure out how to deal with what he is at now. And B, it'd be very hard for him to sort of keep his cover while operating as a private eye and meet his responsibilities to the Chantry. Definitely, definitely. Now, also, there's a flaw you're going to talk about in the character sheet where you're fully bound to the council. So this comes in the second thing. So she gave like a public front excuse, especially to William Whitmore, to like why you are there at the Chantry all the time now, right? You know what I mean? unbeknownst to him she was so worried and paranoid about like what you would give away about her that she fully bonded you to the council to the clan you know what i mean so you're fully bonded now three steps to them which uh uh you described to me like pretty much where it's like you can't even like fathom doing any personal harm or justice to someone of clan tremere right yeah he can't take any action against the tremere any tremere any tremere so um during this, though, she, like her um, mental illness just like exponentially like started to rise, you know, to where she did rather cruel things to you. We talked about this before where like she did like sensory deprivation to you. She did like um, torture to you pretty much. Right. You know, during this time, like well, often a lot during this time. Right. Yes. Um, I think we skipped over the part where the Nosferatu that was interested in him also tried to ghoul him, not realizing he was already ghouled. Oh, oh we, we talked about that. That was the guy at the bar. You remember? We, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure that we specifically covered that because that yeah, plays yeah. into one of the merits. Yeah. Yeah. We, with the sires, uh, the, the Warren sires. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. we didn't cover that, but basically when we talked about how like the Nosferatu tried to like get you embraced, your sire felt she had to interject. Now that Nosferatu feels burnt. You know what I mean? Like he's yes. pissed. You know what I mean? Like because uh, and we're not going to get uh, we'll dis- we'll discuss it more in Andrew's character creation session because he's going to be like the he's going to uh, be the what's the word I'm thinking of the effect of your cause. You know what I mean? Like like what happened with you is the reason why he ended up getting embraced. You know what I'm saying? But like uh, you you know like I mentioned earlier. Uh, not too long ago, everyone's being selective with who they bring over, and so like he 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 vetted you and pro, and now to see that yanked away, that did not make him happy, and that's going to lead to uh to to I'm sure some headaches in the future, you know. But um to go back, she basically did all this fucked up sensory sensory deprivation to you, tortured you. I mean, like caused you physical pain. Like 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 I'm talking, we're talking about like weeks on end. Like we're talking about hardcore stuff, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. like. Exp- you know, locking him in a room with no light, forcing him to just sit in the darkness for hours on end, submerging him in tanks, sensory deprivation tanks. Sort of like uh, almost kindred MK Ultra style stuff. Yeah, 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 definitely. And then, you know, like, and she took joy from it because she felt like she was um, working out her frustrations on you and being cruel to you, you know? Like, you're her whipping boy. That's how she looked at it. Like, well, you're mine now. You're my whipping boy. I'm going to do all this shit to you. I'm going to fuck up your life like you fucked up mine, even though you didn't fuck up her life. You know what I mean? But in her 
uh, in her head, you did. And that will kind of explain why you have such a high level of aspects. Cause I would think like, you know what I mean? That'd be the one thing that you would dive into during those times, which she probably, she, she didn't ever think that that would happen. It was just inadvertently that just caused you to look into yourself with that, uh, with, with that compartmentalized type of mindset that you had as a detective, you know what I mean? And just kind of discover yourself, but it almost like, I would say it almost like broke you down a little bit. Right. Because like you'd say almost like you said, your character's like kind of a quiet wallflower type character now. Right. He's quiet. He's, you know, somewhat socially awkward, but he got over that eventually. Um, mm. But he doesn't really, he doesn't have a big personality. You know, he does what he's supposed to. He does what he's supposed to very well in order to okay. avoid any sort of unpleasant scrutiny. Um, he tries his best to, uh, he tries his best to be a quiet observer. Gotcha. And he's pretty much spends a lot of time in the Chantry, and he is security for the Chantry. He doesn't know thaumaturgy or, you know what I mean? We'll talk about that either, you know? But, like, he pretty much, I mean, you would take your responsibilities. You probably have a room in there where, like, you're just left on your own, right? When she's not torturing during this time. We're, we still got more to cover, but, like. Yeah. Outside yeah. of his special sessions with her, yeah. his <laughs> task is pretty much to uh, keep up on, you know, developments in home security practices, techniques. To help protect the Chantry, to track down anyone that might be suspicious, you know, investigate. Yeah. And, you know, investigate the homeless guy who's outside the Chantry three days a week staring at the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. Um, so around 91, 92, uh, you, you started realizing that uh, you saw almost like a, a change and Cynthia's demeanor for a little bit. And you started realizing that, like, she was bringing over, like, this, um, like, a club kid. Because you know how, like, in the early 90s, you know what I mean? That's what they, I think that's what they call them, right? Like, the ravers and all that shit, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, call, like, club kids. And she would bring this girl over who had, like, platinum blonde hair that was, like, short, like kind of, like, not super short, like, three inches all around, but, like, would be a little spiked out, you know what I'm saying, all around, and wore, like, you know, the glittery silver sparkly jackets and you know what i mean bell-bottom jeans and and all that stuff over to um the chantry and you were kind of like caught off guard because all you ever saw in this chantry was william or once in a while when he showed up or cynthia and now this like mortal started being brought over and um uh, you start seeing like there's like this relationship that was being built like between her and cynthia and you you could tell after a while it was like like becoming romantic you know what i mean uh, like mm -hmm. sexual you know in nature and everything like that um but what they oh and i want i want to bring it up too is one thing that how i and i don't know the game mechanics of it but like how at least in our game how it treated if you're bloodbound as a ghoul and you're embraced like that snaps it you know what i mean like like that totally snaps the bloodbound you have the blood being bloodbound as a as a mortal is snapped by being embraced what are yes. your feelings towards Cynthia at, at this moment? All the way up until like when she's having this romantic relationship with this club girl. Like like how how do you view Cynthia now at this moment? Well, the moment the uh blood bond snapped during the embrace, he probably became very confused. You know, not sure why he felt the way he did, but suddenly he doesn't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And it's definitely you know, it's all metaphysics a little bit beyond what he's familiar with does he have a hatred for her? 
I would say that there's definitely a resentment that builds up over time. Okay, because she's his tormentor. Yeah, he'll feel like he was used, and then the moment he stopped being what she needed or what she wanted, per se, he'll feel discarded. And he was used and effectively abused, you know. She played she toyed with his emotions as far as he can tell to get him to do all sorts of unsavory things for what amounted to an ultimate false promise. Yeah. And, and he probably that, sees how psychotic she is too, you know what I mean? In a way she's psychotic, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. He'll definitely become aware of that. That's gotta be emotional mind fucking. <laughs> it, it exactly. It's probably a little bit low on trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as a as result. Trust issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck, dude. So eventually, that that chick whose name is Jenna, uh, her name's Jenna. People, she's embraced, and and you realize, like, you see, like, up until when she was embraced in like the early '90s, up until like where the story takes place, which is 2010. You you realize that like the the relationship her and Cynthia had like snapped at the moment she was embraced. Mm-hmm. But you see that Jenna, um, a obviously isn't doesn't have the the resentment that you have because of all situation out of your control. You know what I mean? But uh, situations out of your control. But you see that Jenna almost takes the role of like a you know like a like a daughter who's like um like you see them in movies or TV shows or books or whatever like a daughter who can't go have her. I don't want to say this like this but basically a daughter who's left taking care of her mentally ill mother you know what i mean mm-hmm. for rest of her life you know what i'm saying like she can't go out and get married or whatever because she's like has this mother but but the way that jenna takes handles it though she doesn't let it like affect like you don't see it ever like you don't you don't see jenna ever disparaging the situation or ever act sad of it because you've noticed that like jenna has stepped up to represent the Tremere clan in the city like she's the whip you know what i mean while technically cynthia has the primogen you know that like jenna is the one out there like like who's like the public face of the clan you know what i mean you know that william whitmore's one of the deputies you kind of figure that out after you embrace you know what i mean that's why he's not really around because he's dealing with like the sheriff ty harper and um you know the the, the other two deputies uh but you kind of like build this relationship with uh with jenna and you realize that Je- at the moment like Jenna is like embraced not too long afterwards, the fucked up shit that, that um, Cynthia was doing to you stopped. You know what I mean? And you kind of like realize what it was is that you, you, you see that now Jenna has figured out how to convince Cynthia. That, I don't want to say manipulator, but how to like rein her in at times, you know what I mean? And definitely you could tell like Jenna took sympathy upon you after she got embraced. Cause you were even there when she was embraced. You had to be there. You know what I mean? Same thing, white robes, you know what I mean? Blood, mm-hmm. weird incantations, but you, you guys are siblings in a fucked up way. You know what I mean? But like she takes empathy upon you because she did, she didn't know what was happening to you obviously before she was brought over and now she does now she sees that she can convince sometimes your psychotic mother to like not take it out on you like that you know so like i would say up until like 91 to like 2010 like that the the you've been left on your own and you still got a lonely existence but the torture isn't happening anymore does that make sense mm-hmm. are you are you cool yes. with that idea or yeah that works gotcha definitely We'll, we'll cut to the break and then we will talk about how we're going to tie you into the story. Unless, do you got anything else to add? Nope. 
All right, cool beans. All right, guys, stay tuned. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the duets tag to find out more. Welcome back. Uh, we're, now we're going to talk about how we're going to tie in Warren Johansson into Twin Seas by Night Dread, how he'll slowly be introduced into it. So uh, out of character pretty much, and, and all this is out of character, obviously, but um, basically Jenna, you, 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 you know, you have a relationship with her and, and she'll tell you about like stuff that's going on in the city. You know what I mean? Not like you always kind of feel like she holds back a little bit for your own good in a way, or maybe she's not t- quite telling you the whole story, but you're definitely not like just a wallflower. You kind of are starting to realize you have realized that there's this whole like society out there of like kindred. You know what I mean? Not a lot in the twin cities, but you know what I mean? That they're out there. It's almost like you prefer just to stay <laughs> where you're at. That's why you haven't been involved for God knows like 20 years or whatever. <laughs> um, Plus he's not really allowed out. <laughs> yeah. He's not allowed out either. Exactly. That's another thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget that shit. Um, but she basically tells you that she is conv- convinced Jenna a, in a way that you get into your good graces and, and into her good graces. And even more is that, uh, that there, that she, she wants you basically in a nutshell to like, uh, help these kindred that are in the city. Um, uh, uh, look into the death of a member of their group, uh, of their quarterly. Out of uh, what, in game terms, what it is is basically she wants you to go help the two remaining members of this quarterly look into what happened with uh, uh, this toy door named Ophelia and this venture named Jonathan, who basically 
uh, one they believe is murdered and the other one just disappeared. You know what I mean? And she thinks that that has something to do uh, to help them figure out uh, 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 what what is going on with um, this guy named Dunstern because they think that might be tied to the Giovanni. And you kind of get you don't know too much about the Giovanni. I mean, uh, you had Jenna kind of break down to you like they're like another family uh, in this. Um, you know about the Camarilla, right? You know what I mean? You know about the clans, but they're like this family that say they're not part of the Camarilla, but they're pretty much are. You know, the Cam- Camarilla's mentality of how uh, you may say you're not part of the Camarilla, but you are part of the Camarilla. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but basically that uh, you're to help this group look into like what happened to the two friends and if anything deals with like the Giovanni or the Camarilla, you're supposed to tell Jenna and then she'll like relay that to Cynthia long story short, and then you'll get into her good graces. So it's kind of like she will broker an introduction to the William uh, uh, Strother, the venture and Katow brand, the gangrel, this group and kind of have you guys, you know what I mean? Uh, Have you help them and and what they're trying to do. I also figure that there's she'll maybe have uh, also probably had convinced Cynthia that there's a good reason for me to be let out of the Chantry for this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, too. It's probably like, sorry, I'm pretty sure, too, because rumors getting out. Well, also because Ophelia was helping um, uh, Alex's old character, Ophelia, was helping Jenna look into they were like working together to look into the Dunstern. You know what I mean? They both didn't like Dunstern and they both they both uh, were looking in and had distaste for him. So now that she's dead, and rumor is, you know what I mean? She wants you to help them out, you know what I mean? Because obviously, Ophelia unwittingly was probably helping Clan Tremere and their goals, whatever their goals are. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, definitely cool. So let's just say that once the game uh, happens, that, that that's how you'll be introduced, and then we'll figure it out, like, when the first session or anything to that extent, you know? So, uh, all right. So we'll actually jump into we'll just do uh we'll just do it right now. We can have where you go uh read off your character sheet. We'll go over your character sheet and stuff like that. Uh, do you have it in front of you? Ready to go? Yep, I'm good to go. All right. So um, just you can start reading from the top down if you want to. Kind of just uh first describe what Warren looks like. We haven't even talked about what Warren looks like. Okay. Um, he's five foot eight. Not terribly tall, um, about 145 pounds, fairly scrawny on account of the asthma as he was growing up. Um, he could be decent looking if you put some real effort into his appearance, but he just covers the basics and gets on with life. He has uh, close-cropped red hair. Um, if he doesn't shave, he has a three-day growth of stubble, also red, um, but he tends to shave. Uh, typically, he wears suits that are tailored with a special eye towards ease of movement, mobility, and that allow him to blend in. So there's nothing flashy. Normally, he just looks like a guy in the background. And he will change his clothing based on the situation to help you know, keep that going. So if he's forced to investigate something involving the homeless, you know, Somewhere in his closet, he has some ratty old stuff that he picked up from a Goodwill that he then, you know, left out in the weather for a few months to make it look even worse. And he'll throw that on just so that he can fit in and not really draw any attention to himself. Nice. Awesome. He's a very unassuming figure. Yes. Except for his red hair. That's kind of a very distinct trait. Um, He has blue eyes. And he looks like he's about, you know, late 20s even though he's actually 97. (laughs) 
he's 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 wise beyond his years. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, okay, sweet. So let's go start going down the character sheet. I'll let I'll let you take over. All right. Uh, his nature is judge. He spent so long investigating people and determining the truth that it's just a deep seated part of him now. And there's, you know, there's no way for him to escape that. His demeanor is conformist. He'll always do what he can to sort of fit in and fade into the background wherever he is. Uh, attributes, you know, he was able to overcome some of the weakness imposed by the asthma after he became a ghoul. So he's got two strength, three dex, All right. three stamina. I think Sounds that good. fits him a little bit better. And for those of you who don't know, also, just before I continue, I meant to say this, that you're going to notice that some he's got like, more dots in his starting character. That's because... Uh, we're giving him the experience points that the other players had. You know what I mean? So basically we don't want like an overbalanced or underbalanced character, if that makes sense. So the two new characters are going to get the same amount of points that experience points that the players got who've been playing so they can, you know, have uh, uh, what equitable, is that the word? Equal type characters. So yeah, let's see here. Socially, um, everything is a two straight down the line. You know, nothing particularly special there. He just, he does enough to fit in but nothing to really stand out. So to charisma, to manipulation, to appearance. Uh, mental, no. his perception is four. He's very perceptive. He tends to notice the small details almost instinctively. Intelligence is three. Wits are three. He you know, processes what he sees. Not quite as fast as he sees it, but he does a good job of processing it. Uh, for talents, he has alertness two. Athletics, one. Brawl 1, Dodge 1, Empathy 3, Intimidation 2, and Subterfuge 3. You know, a little bit there for running around from back back from his beat cop days, paying attention, judging a situation, chasing people down if necessary, punching them if necessary. Uh, but most of it is geared more towards Empathy, Intimidation, Subterfuge, where he would interrogate people, figure out where they were lying, figure out how to lie to them in order to get the information he wanted or just straight up scare them if he had to. Yeah, he he was able to do that too. I mean, like figure things out just from talking to Cynthia. You know what I mean? Like, so he's a very perceptive, he's very good at it. <laughs> yes. Um, skills, he has drive one. He knows how to get around. Um, he firearms two. Again, practicing as a cop. Security four. He's very good at knowing the ins and outs of well, security. Uh, modern security systems, traditional security systems, locking the windows, having the right type of glass, having the right type of reinforcement, where to place cameras, that sort of thing. Uh, he has Stealth 3. Again, he just knows how to blend in and not draw attention to himself, and he's pretty good at sneaking around to get information that he needs if people won't give it to him directly. Under Knowledges, he has Academics 1. Uh, he wasn't, you know, enough to get by, but he wasn't really a stellar student. Especially, you know, given that he was educated back in the 20s and 30s. And he was spending <laughs> a lot of what he was taught back then is not quite up to date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he knows his arithmetic. He knows how to read. He knows a lot of the basics. Arithmetic is a must. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he's got, uh, you know, he's become much more specialized over the years. So general academics isn't really his forte anymore. 
Um, he has Investigation 5. He's very good at digging up information. Uh, he has Law 1. He knows basic police procedure and what he can and cannot do as a private investigator. And he has Occult 2, stuff that he picked up at his time at the Tremere Chantry. Yeah, I would say that's definitely like something too, like maybe Jenna helped you with too, you know what I mean? Or, you know, or uh, William Whitmore or whatever, you know what I mean? Just picking it up through there, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I could see Jenna giving him basic tutelage so he wouldn't look like a complete idiot in front of the other Tremere. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, she's, you're her project, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep. you know, so. Plus, some of it is probably direct experience from being tormented as much as he was. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. And we'll get into like, We'll jump in the game. I, 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 uh, for those of you maybe wondering, like, why we didn't get into detail because I wanted it to be impactful when it's like, you know what I mean? Memories of it come out, or you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. And it's yeah. something that uh, uh, Adam here is very great at. Like, as if you guys have watched War is on Fire, you know, uh, all the players are great at just like um, coming up with stuff like that. You know what I mean? On their own. So we'll 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 we'll, um, we'll uh, delve into that in the actual story. But go ahead. Okay. Um, for disciplines, he has Auspex 5. Again, I'm this so is, excited uh, about that. I'm so <laughs> excited about that. Uh, I guess I'm not get to explore as a storyteller, but go ahead. Yeah, it's it's the end result of all the MK Ultra shit that his sire put him through. I mean, dude, we can get so creative, like made you feed off someone on LSD. You know what I mean? Like all this crazy shit, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Any LSD, psychedelic mushrooms back in the 60s. <laughs> oh, dude, man. Yeah, it, it, we're going to have some fun, uh, like I said, having flashbacks to that shit. Oh, yeah. She would have, you know, put him through the entire gamut that she could have come up with, forcing him to, you know, open the third eye and develop his psychic talents, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I would say she didn't even give a shit about that. She just wanted to fuck with your head. You know what I mean? Probably she felt like... Like, she probably, I would even say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would even almost say that, like, she kind of realized how perceptive you are, and you probably, she got the vibe that you were looking at her like she was crazy. She's like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to make you crazy. You know what I mean? Kind of like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You want to judge me? Here you go. You know what I mean? But who knows? Uh, obviously, she's a, uh, uh, well, all vampires are fucked up, so she's, she's a fucked up individual. But go ahead. I could also see her doing it to him as sort of a uh, an experiment. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a really horrible thing to do to someone. Let's see if it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Like she, like it's so fucking. I mean, dude, it's so tragic though, man. Right? Like she went to being in love with you, like fucking what? Like uh, not, uh, 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 seventy years earlier, or you know, whoever knows, fifty, forty years earlier, and then she's doing like the, this most horrific, and you're just an object to her. You know what I mean? It's got like a seventy-one yeah. tragic story, but. Her- all right, and he also has Obfuscate 2. And we talked about that uh, uh, out of the game session, but to explain in here, there's a merit that he has as it being an in-clan discipline. And the reason why he has Obfuscate as an in-clan discipline is because of when the Nosferatu whip, Gerald, was trying to um, was trying to like, blood down him. And just the, the, the having that Vita in him again, and just in game terms, that's why he had, uh, we'll, we'll explain that, that merit that he was able to take. But go ahead. Yeah, he had some Nosferatu Vitae in him when uh, the Tremere embraced him, and that left a mark. Yep, definitely. Thank God it wasn't an ugly mark, right? <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Yeah, right, go ahead. Um, he is 8th generation, so generation 5 for backgrounds. He's the child of the regent. Yep. And he has resources 1. 
He doesn't have much else by way of backgrounds because he was so heavily restricted, effectively kept in the Chantry all the damn time. All the boring ass life. <laughs> yeah, especially when you don't know thaumaturgy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like... Prior to his embrace, you know, he had a fair bit of money put away. He had friends, he had associates, but after he was embraced and locked away for so many years, he lost touch with everyone that he knew, he lost touch with his accounts, and he'll probably want to, you know, reestablish uh, his contact with his money, at the very least, at some point. Hey, there's a venture who might be able to help you out. He's going through a little insane spell of himself, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. And what's your, uh, I think we have conscious, self-control, conscious, courage, yep. and His conscience is too. Did some There were a lot shit. of, huh? <laughs> did, some, did some fucked up shit. He did. There were a lot of unpleasant things that he did as an employee of his sire. There were also a lot of unpleasant things that happened to him, which kind of deadened him inside a little bit. Um, he and that's reasonable. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying like, like, like let's, I would like to say as a storyteller, like once we start playing the story, feel free to come up with backstory. My end of shit. If you see an opportunity, you know what I mean? I would love to really like expand upon that with him. Like what exact fucked up shit did he do or had happened to him that now he has to live with? You know what I mean? I think that'd just be great <laughs> from the story. You know what I'm saying? And not, you know, and just like if someone reminds me or just something at a moment, I, I almost would picture it like the moment where uh, Mitch and Cora had that conversation about World War One. You know what I mean? Like oh, in yeah. their son. You know, some shit like that. I mean, I'm sure there's just different things that we can delve into. Not, you know, but, but I'm just saying, let's not forget about that. Like, let, I think there's a lot of potential there for some interesting story there, you know? I can see him walking. Uh, Ophelia had the restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I can see him walking into her restaurant and going, I remember putting a couple of bodies in the foundation here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some to that extent. Yeah, definitely. Dude. Yeah, totally. And it's it's there's going to be a lot of... You know, like the the, the I think I think the um to, to sidetrack a little bit, I think the the your character concept like really fits into like the whole tone I'm going to try to go for in the story arc and in Twin Cities by night, generally, but the story arc <laughs> called Dread. You know what I mean? There's supposed to be the sense of like dread, you know, like the sense of fear and just like you know what I mean? It's being drudged up in everyone, and then you're gonna have this character who pretty much was just like had this fucked up existence and is now being kind of thrust back into a. a into the real world and the society that he really never took part of, you know what I mean? So yep. it's like, um, it's it's gonna fit into that really well that that tone that I'm trying to fit into. But go ahead, uh, uh with the rest of it. I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, he has self control three, decent self control. Um, he had to in order to help keep those secrets and not uh, freak out over all the stuff that he was doing. Uh, courage five. He's been hardened thanks to all the experiences he's had and he just doesn't care to the point where he'll just look everything that comes his way dead in the eye and say, yeah, fuck you. Well, he's a, he's a soldier of the Tremere in a fucked up way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Against his will, but he's, you know, in a way he's just a tool of the Tremere. That's just what, that's what he's became because of Cynthia, you know? Plus he's also seen the worst part of humanity and, you know, dealt with it both as a, uh, police officer and later on as an agent of the Tremere. Dude, if anything, he's also has seen what kindred are capable of too. You know what I mean, right? And I would say that if you can see like what they're capable of and you know that potentially that could become you, it would take an act of courage just to be able to, you know what I mean? Put one step 
in front of another day, night in, night out. You know what I mean? So you got to think like most, a lot of the other characters are just starting to realize, well, the two surviving characters are just starting to realize what Kindred are capable of. You know what I mean? So, Well, he's also seen the Sabat in action. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has. I mean, you saw that that raid. I mean, and and in game, I'll get like more narrative with it. You know what I mean? Like it was just pure carnage, man. It was just like, but I, I, I'm not like again when I say this, I'm not like passing judgment on people run the game or whatever. But like, you know, like those clan novels. Like I just always never like found like there to be horror. Like when they did the 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 fall of Atlanta, you know what I mean? I don't know if you ever read those, but like, I was like, nothing in here strikes me as like scary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, there's a Lysian meeting and the Sabbat attack it packs attack it and they kill him. But they're like, nothing was like scary about it. You know what I'm saying? I want like that to be scary. I want like, if they're like, like that opening scene in, in Juarez where you guys were like just frenzying and running through that, that, uh, uh, villa and you know what I mean? Just killing whatever came in your way and shit like that. Or like how just war is, period. War is on fires. I want it to be fucked up and scary. And I can just imagine that like that scene in that chantry, just like the murder, just pure murder. Nothing even supernatural, just destruction. You know what I mean? That came through there like yep. a pa- pack of wild uh, Mohicans, you know? So, uh, but go ahead. I'm sorry. And then uh, let's see here. He's got Humanity 5. He's done some really screwed up stuff. It's taken its toll on him. Uh, willpower is eight. He's done a lot of screwed up stuff, but he's managed to not go insane. He's very mentally resilient. So let's go into the merits and flaws. Uh, yep. I think you only took flaws, right? Uh, he's got three merits and four flaws. All right, let's talk about the merits. For, oh, yeah, you did take merits, though. We were just talking about one earlier. Uh, what merits do you yep. have? He's got additional in-clan discipline, which is obfuscate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the former ghoul merit. And he's got the Sabat Survivor merit. Yep, yep. Now, what? Do, do, I don't have my book with me. Uh, the former ghoul merit, what does that one do? My long experience as a ghoul gives me insight into and comfort with vampiric society. I am at yeah. a negative one difficulty on all social roles when in the presence of other neonates, particularly those who haven't been educated by their sires. And I have a negative one difficulty on all roles relating to knowledge of the kindred. All right, cool. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Because in a fucked up way, you're going to be more experienced with the kindred condition than a lot of people in the group who are just starting to discover it. You know what I mean? Yep. So, like, uh, it's going to be, uh, you're going to probably be an eye opener, you know, especially when you fall in with the group and you hear about what they've dealt with in the past and shit like that. So, I like that one a lot, too. And then the the other one you had was Sabat Survivor. Sabat Survivor, yep. What is, do you know I, what that one does? I lived through at least one Sabat attack and or attempted recruitment. Um, I'm at negative one difficulty on all perception rolls when it comes to Sabat-based matters. Oh, nice. Very nice. I like that. That's cool. Very good. All right. Yeah, sweet. So those are some awesome merits. What about your flaws? Now, I know, I know, I think I know all of them, but we'll go ahead and cover them. Uh, The first one is bound to the council. Yep. We talked about that one. Whether because of a highly suspicious regent, a faux pas, or a missive from on high, you were bound to the council seven. So for me, it would be a very paranoid regent. Yeah. She probably had me bound to the council immediately after my embrace, pretending it was a normal part of the process. Drink for this cup on these three separate nights immediately following your embrace. Yeah, definitely. I 
am not stopped from having personal goals and motives, but love of the Tremere clan always comes first. I have to spend willpower to go against Tremere policy. I uh, respond immediately to any Tremere requests made by superiors. <laughs> you're, 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 well, you're a Tremere tool. You're, you're the Tremere. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. And then you have uh, Sire's Resentment, which we talked about pretty much like in the backstory. I mean, it's obvious your Sire does not like you. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, does that one have any mechanical like uh, negatives to it, or is it just all story negatives? Yep. Your Sire dislikes you and wishes you ill. Given the smallest opportunity, she will actively seek to do you harm. Your Sire's allies also work against you, and many elders may resent you. Okay, cool. We'll look into, we'll delve into that then too. I'll have to think of some interesting ideas with that one. Uh, and then uh, you got Warring Sires is the next one, right? Yep, I've got Rival Sires. Either you, your actual sire, or both of you have become the target of the failed sire's ire. Regardless, your persecutor is at a plus two difficulty to refrain from frenzy in your presence. Plus, they may actively be working to discredit or destroy me. Oh, wow. That's going to bring some family drama between you and Andrew, man. Yes. It's going to be interesting, dude. Uh, it won't be PvP bad, but it will be definitely vamp Camarilla game bad. You know what I mean? I got to remember we're not going to be playing the Sabat pack anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, bro. I love you. Let's go do fucked up shit. You know what I mean? Sort of yes. game, bro. <laughs> so, uh, all right. And then. He also has a prey exclusion. Oh, I didn't know that. What, what's his prey exclusion? He will not feed on police officers mm -hmm. um, just because he spent so much time working with them and yeah. being a part of that world. He views them as utterly untouchable. And that'll also extend to like informants, other law Any enforcement officers, security anyone, guards. Anyone dealing uh, with keeping the peace almost, right? You know what I mean? Any form of that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. That sounds awesome, man. Holy cow, we got it done. That's that's great. I'm I'm excited to have Warren be in the game. I'm excited to do this game again. Um, it's gonna be here around the corner, man. Believe it or not, I think Sabat only is gonna have like maybe minimum two more sessions left. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 minimum like one more real session than one like epilogue. You know what I mean? Because I want to do that now. I regretted that we didn't do that with World of Darkness, you know what I mean? Where we had like an epilogue session. But um definitely going to do that with Sabat because I don't feel rushed anymore, you know what I mean? Where like you guys will spend your XP to choose a path. We'll talk about all that shit, figure it out. So, um, all right, man. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening, whatever. Uh, feel free to subscribe, comment, like, whatever. I'm whoring myself out, as Slazic says about that. If you have any questions about the character in himself, uh, just shoot them in the comments, or you can find us on Twitter. Uh, like we said in the intro, if you're listening to the podcast, you can shoot my way, and I'll make sure that uh, Adam here gets you an answer, and then um, and and we can do good with that. So, uh, do you got anything else to add, Adam, before we end this? I do not. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, do you like World of Darkness? Do you want to introduce your friends to it? But there's one problem. Nobody reads books anymore. This presents you with a problem, doesn't it? You want to get your friends into these awesome games, but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them. Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. 
Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style! Flair! Humor! <laughs> and of course, some dank meme magic. Fucking normies! Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now! If only for the dank memes. Tune in today!